One thing is certain. If you stick to the word, you will come back with a testimony. What God wants to give you in your life is not a healing. What God wants to give you in your life is not a job. What God wants to give you in your life is not money. What God wants to give you is the word of God in your spirit. It will make you what it talks about. And you are shining. And you are shining by the power of the Holy Ghost. You are shining by the power of the Holy Ghost. You are shining and nothing can stop you. It is your season. It is your time. Nothing can hinder you. This is your time. This is your hour. Favor is yours. All right. Uh, very quickly, I would like us to turn into our Bibles. In First Peter, First Peter, chapter. Chapter 2 was where we started discussing the subject of priesthood and sacrifices. Do you remember that? We've dealt with a number of issues, but I've been wanting to get into the main subject. And I'm hoping that I can make an attempt on that now. In that first Peter chapter number two, would you read verse five? Read verse five. Ye also as lively stones, that means living stones, are built up a spiritual house an holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Christianity is not a religion. Now, don't be carried away by the fact that all your life when you went through school, they gave you several forms to feel. And uh, in some of those forms, you had options for religion. And uh, there was Islam, there was Christianity, others, and you ticked Christianity. Somehow, we've been carried away by the world's description of Christianity. They think it's a religion. It's not a religion. When you study the Bible, you find Christianity is not a religion. In fact, many Christians don't even know that. They think it's a religion. So they say, my religion is Christianity. <laughs> but Christianity is not a religion. Somebody said, well, it depends on how you think of it. No, in reality, it's not a religion. I'd like to ask you a question. Your relationship with your father at home or with your brother your sibling, is that a religion? Talk to me. When you, when you were born into the family, your earthly family, biological family, was it a religion that started? Was that a religion? Not a religion. Somebody said, well, if you believe in God, that's religion. No, Christianity is not believing in God. You don't 
You are not a Christian because you believe in God. In fact, the Bible says the devils also believe in God and tremble. I don't make them Christians. Christianity can only begin if you believe in God. But that is not Christianity. Christ comes into your heart and you receive eternal life, the life of God, the life and nature of God. And that life begins functioning in you and through you. That's Christianity. It's no religion at all. It is the living for a certain life of Christ in a human person. That's Christianity. It's God living through you. That's Christianity. Christ in you manifesting the glory of his word in you that's christianity it's not a religion and so when you come to christ to receive eternal life and you become a christian you've got to learn about that life how to live it it's a life not a lifestyle there's a great difference between the two. Christianity is not a lifestyle. Christianity is a life. But there is a lifestyle in Christianity. In other words, a way of life in Christianity. But Christianity is not a way of life. It is a life. It is the life of God in you manifested through you and it has a way of life that way of life is what you study about in the Bible but you'll never understand it until you understand first the life that gives it a way of life you get it That's why it's so important where you go to church. Because uh, just because somebody is a good Christian and a good pastor and a kind pastor and a wonderful pastor doesn't mean he knows the word. It doesn't mean he knows the word. The word of God is a revelation. And if one is not taught that word, if one doesn't have that revelation, he can't live it. That's why we have so many baby Christians all around the world. That's why there's so many who don't understand what Christianity is. And that's why there's so much infighting among Christians. Because they don't know what they've got. They don't know who they are. So you got those who believe in water baptism by sprinkling, aspersion, by immersion. Then there are those who don't believe in it at all. Then there are those who believe in speaking in tongues and there are those who don't. And there are those who believe in miracles for the past and not for today. Or even if God works miracles today, they say not by people like us. All kinds of believers because they haven't been taught the word of God. Most people just don't know because they don't have time for the Bible, including ministers. There are many ministers who don't have time to read the Bible. They got, I mean, they're, they're occupied by lots of other things. So 
God says, my people perish because they lack knowledge. They lack knowledge. That's why there's a lot of praying about our needs. You know, people are looking for those who pray for them about what they need. They got needs in the business, in the, in the jobs, in the family. There's a need in their health. There's a need here and there. And so they're always looking for somebody, you know, to pray for them like that. But you see, if you've, if you've been listening to the Word of God and you've been trained in the Word of God, you become a helper instead of the needy. In the church, we can start you out, doesn't matter how you come. You may come to church when everything is all right with you. Praise God. You may come to church with a lot of problems. Doesn't matter. The Word of God will help you. We will minister to you. We will join you and help you and strengthen you. And then you become a helper too. Don't stay at the level of being needy for too long. There are those you, have, you need to follow up. You got to visit them and talk to them about coming to church again. You know, you got to go after them, encourage them to keep coming. But if that's been happening to you, for example, maybe somebody had to call you today to come to church. Maybe somebody had to remind you. Maybe somebody even had to come pick you and bring you to church. Great. But don't let that continue for too long. You must be the one very soon helping somebody else come to church, picking somebody else to church, reminding someone else about the service. You've got to be the one that's growing too. That's the way it's supposed to be. Jesus wins you. Jesus builds you. Then Jesus sends you to win others and build others and send others. So they can win others and build others and send them. That's the way it got to us. We didn't read, I didn't write this Bible. I met it here. Same Bible that Paul preached, that Peter preached. Same message. Same message that came from Moses. Solomon, David. Same message they all believe. Same message. You'd find a progression of revelation from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Same message. From Genesis, when God made a promise of the Redeemer, and the prophets kept on talking about it, that he would come, that he would come until he came. But he didn't stop there. They talked about what the Redeemer would do. And about the new creation. And he came and performed the redemption and brought forth the new creation. And then the word also talked about the life of the new creation. And all that has gone on till today. And what we're doing today is multiplying the members of that new creation. Because the Bible does tell us that he'll come again. And we're waiting for that. Praise God. So this world is not the end. Tell somebody, this world is not the end. Jesus is coming again. And I will be ready when he shows up. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. All right. Well, 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 that's the introduction. I'd like us to get quickly into spiritual sacrifices. The importance of this subject, for those of you, just in case you didn't get in on this uh, when we got started, 
We're talking about priesthood and sacrifices. The fact that every Christian has been made a priest. Now, I didn't say every Christian has been made a high priest. Just for the records. There's only one high priest. His name is Jesus. Amen. As it was in the Old Testament when there was only one high priest and many priests. But the high priest of that Old Testament went into the presence of God in the most holy place once every year to offer the blood sacrifice on behalf of the nation. But every day, the priests ministered. He and the priests ministered in the tabernacle. They had a lot of work to do. But once every year, only the high priest went into the most holy place where the presence of God was to offer the blood of atonement on behalf of the people on what they call the Yom Kippur Day, all right, the Day of Atonement. Jesus Christ has become our high priest according to the Bible, and does not need to go into the most holy place in heaven every year. The Bible says he did it once and for all time. He went into that most holy place once with his own blood. We already talked about this. He went into the most holy place once with his own blood. And it was enough. The priests of the Old Testament, the high priests of the Old Testament had to do it once every year because the Bible says it was not possible for the blood of bulls, goats, calves to take away sin. So there was a remembrance of sin every year. And so he had to do it again every year. In fact, the Bible says that before he did it on behalf of the nation, he had to do it for himself too. See that? Because he also needed to be purged of his own sins. I told you how that they had a chain around his waist with bearers on the chain. And then as he took his steps, the bearers rang. And they knew the high priest was still alive because there was a great curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place. That curtain was about four inches thick from top to the bottom. Nobody ever entered into the most holy place. So if the high priest didn't offer his own blood sacrifice and he went into the most holy place, he died. And nobody went in there to take him out. And the only way they knew he died was when the bearers stopped ringing. And there were nine bearers around his waist. And those nine bearers signified the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. As long as those bearers are ringing in the church, you know Jesus is alive. <laughs> Hallelujah. So every time the man took his steps, you hit the bearers. The priests knew he was alive. If they stopped hearing the bearers ringing, then they pulled the chain to drag the high priest out because he was dead. Now, when Jesus was on the cross, during the crucifixion, the Bible says he was there a total of six hours. Do you remember that? From when they put him there until he died. But while he was on that cross, Jesus cried out, Eloi, Eloi, Lamassabachthani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because the Father turned his back on Jesus because our sins were laid on Jesus. And the Bible says that God is so righteous, he's so pure, he doesn't look at sin. So when our sins were laid on Jesus, the Father turned his back on Jesus. And Jesus cried out so. Then he said, it is finished. And his head dropped. The job was completed. His head dropped. Jesus died. When Jesus died, the Bible records 
There was an earthquake. And the rocks began to break. It says there was darkness from the ninth hour. The sixth hour to the ninth hour. There was darkness for three hours. Everywhere was dark. Because the Son of God was dying. And the man who was in charge of the crucifixion, the Roman centurion, who was in charge of the crucifixion was watching all this. And suddenly somebody ran from the temple because the priests were all there waiting, watching Jesus die. And they called the priest and said, something's happening in the temple. What is it? They said, the great veil, that four inches thick veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place was torn in two from the top to the bottom, meaning it was not the hand of man because it was very high. It was torn from the top to the bottom and the holy place that nobody ever entered except the high priest once in a year was exposed meaning two things three things actually number one that the presence of God was open now to everybody number two that the most holy place in the earth had ceased to function. So it was open. Number three, that the high priest from the uh, Levitical family had been sacked. <laughs> he had sacked the priesthood. So there was a need for the change of the law. Wonderful. Now, Jesus Christ is reason can you say amen yeah. and the Bible says that he has made us priests and kings unto God hallelujah and that's what we read in first Peter chapter 2 and verse 5 where you just saw that we have been ordained we have been called by God to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ is his spiritual sacrifices now there are two kinds of sacrifices you have the other sacrifices, which means they're not spiritual, but they are good sacrifices. And then there are spiritual sacrifices. Why they're called spiritual sacrifices is because they are, they are ministered through the Spirit. They are ministered through the Spirit. That's why they're called spiritual sacrifices I'll explain that for example when we do good to other people it's a sacrifice when we help other people it's a sacrifice but that's not necessarily a spiritual sacrifice all right turn to the book of Hebrews very quickly Hebrews in the New Testament chapter number 13 Have you seen it? All right, read verse 16. But to do good, want to go. You see that? It says to do good and to share. That's the word communicate there means to share with others. To do good, to help others, acts of goodness. And to share your possessions, what you got with other people. He says, we should not forget to do that. That with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Those are sacrifices. And God wants us to do them. But they're not necessarily spiritual sacrifices. Spiritual sacrifices are given through the Spirit. Amen? Now, I'm going to show that to you. We begin with number one spiritual sacrifice. Romans chapter 12. 
Romans chapter 12. Have you seen it? Read verse 1. 1 to go. Thank you. Now, if you don't have a Bible here, I feel sorry for you. Really, really feel sorry for you. Make sure you get one today. So I forgive you today. But next time, I will make you stand up. You ready? He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, brethren, brethren. And it includes sistering. <laughs> I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye, ye, ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Well, better rendering, some better translations will give you spiritual act of worship. Some will say spiritual worship. Some will say spiritual service. Did you see that? So it's spiritual because it's presented by the Spirit. Now there's more to that. Let's look at it again. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies. He's talking about your own body. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, your spiritual service. Give your body to God. Because God wants to use you. See, the Bible says that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. When you receive the Holy Spirit, He came into your spirit. But your spirit lives in your body. So your body has become His living tabernacle. The temple of God. Your body is the temple of God. It belongs to God now. So you present your body to God as an act of spiritual worship. That's wonderful. Let's look at Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Say this with me. My body belongs to God. Now, did you notice he didn't say God will take your body and present it to himself? No, he said you present your body. How do you do it? I'll show you how to do it. Well, let's read this. In Philippians chapter number 1, we are reading from verse 20. Read, read for me. I love that portion of the Bible. I want to read it to you. I want you to follow very carefully because King James here is very strong, okay? So it might be a little difficult for you to follow. But if you listen carefully, I'll explain to you. He says, according to my earnest expectation, Paul is writing this to the Philippian church. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing... I shall be ashamed. That means in nothing shall I be ashamed. You get it? You get King James language. Okay. I shall not be ashamed in anything. That's what he's saying. Okay. But that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. Oh God. Christ shall be magnified in my body. In other words, let people see Jesus in you. Let Christ be shown in you. He's talking about himself here. He says he already made up his mind. He was decided about that, that Christ would be magnified in his body. 
Is Christ magnified in your body? Many years ago, I used to pray that prayer. Oh, Lord, let people see Jesus in me. Let them hear his voice from me when I speak. Let them see his eyes from my eyes, I pray. Let people see Jesus in me. I prayed it and prayed it and prayed it and prayed it. Then I realized that to get it answered, I had to meditate on his words. And that through meditation, his character will be formed in me. So that when I talk, when I moved, when I did whatever I did, Christ will be seen. Christ will be seen in me. Hallelujah. People can look at you and say, you're a Christian. They can see Christ revealed in your life. He says, Christ magnified. He didn't say Christ to come in because Christ was already there. But is he magnified? Can he be seen big? Can Christ be seen big in your life? That begins when your body is submitted to him. He says to present your body because your body is the outer case. This is the outward man. This is the one that is seen in the world. The Bible says man look at on the outward appearance. Only God looks at the heart. So when human beings look at you, they cannot see your heart. They see your body. They see what you do. They see where you go, how you do what you do. And that's what they see. They don't see your heart. So let Christ be magnified in your body. Can you say amen? amen. Glory to God. Uh, let me read further so you get this. This is just wonderful. You got to mark this portion of the Bible, I'm telling you. It says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. In other words, whether I live or die, Christ will be magnified in my body. He will be glorified in my body. That's what he's talking about. Watch verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Oh. But if I live in the flesh, that means in this body, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what shall I choose? Or what I shall choose, I want not. He says, um, now whether to live, to continue to live in this body, I'm not quite sure what to choose. Oh, gosh, shut up, man. Do you? You know, there are different classes here. Class one, class two, class three, and so on. Now, I don't know what class you're in here. You know, but if you're, if you're of the spiritual class you gotta understand what this man's talking about here he's saying that the christian actually has the power the authority to choose to die or not to die that's what he's saying brother even jesus jesus said this one thing harry this one thing I received from my father. He said he gave me power to lay my life down and he gave me power to take it up again. He gave me power to lay my life down. Oh dear. What is Christianity? Christ in you. The hope of glory. Don't give yourself to defeat. Don't give yourself to failure. Don't give yourself to sickness. Refuse failure. Refuse poverty. Refuse defeat. Refuse death. Only choose it if you decide. That's what this... Hey, I, I can read you another portion. I, I'll read it to you. You know, some, somebody thinks that death... Oh God, I wish I could show you. This is a short service, so we don't have all the time. But let me show it to you. First Corinthians. If all this don't mean what they say, I don't know what means what they say then. First Corinthians. 
Longrak Aktoga Saramande. Chapter 3. God is looking for those who would dare believe his word. That's all. Don't be carried away by somebody who what he was doing didn't work. Our relationship with God is personal. I'll never be moved by someone whose life failed. Whose, whose relationship with Christ didn't turn out right. Because I don't know how he followed God. I don't know what he believed. He may have said one thing and believed another. The word of God is made available to us. Let's read. First Corinthians chapter 3. I want you to read from verse 21. Okay? To verse 23. And read it out loud. One, two, go. Let me tell you something when I was growing up I grew up in a church where I didn't hear much except very good stories great church it's a great church but I heard more of beautiful stories in the Bible I heard the nice things that God did in Bible days we worship God wonderfully nicely my dad preached to us a lot of times at home. And sometimes he had the opportunity to preach in church. My grandfather was a preacher. Are you listening? I had five granduncles that were all pastors. My grandfather's brothers. So I was, I, I, I was, I was growing up in such an environment. It was Bible everywhere. <laughs> Are you listening? But you see, when I began to study the Bible by myself, I was shocked at what I saw. When you study the Bible for yourself, you'll be amazed at what's there. You'll be shocked like what I just read to you. Let's read more about the same thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Are you there? You know, some people, some of you are aware of it, you know, when they go to a funeral service and they say, well, the Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Or you're watching your TV screen at home and you hear the announcement, with gratitude to God, we regret to announce the death of so-and-so with gratitude to God we regret to announce what a bundle of contradiction no you know people just don't listen to themselves and every generation keeps saying the same thing I mean I was like this when I started hearing that kind of announcement I grew up I, I kept on hearing it their fathers gave it to them and they gave it to their sons with gratitude to God we regret to announce that means we are not happy about this thing but the old man upstairs did it and we thank him for it but we are really angry about it you see there was a man who was past 40 years he went away from God he didn't want to serve God one day a preacher got him and said why are you so mad at God why don't you give your heart to Christ? He said, I'll never do it. Why? He said, let me tell you something. When I was four years old, my mother died. And they told me that God took my mother. He said, how could God be so wicked? He knew I was such a little boy and he took away my mother. 
Look how I had to grow up these years without a mother. God, if there's a God in heaven, he must be really wicked. Forty long years, he hated God because he was taught that God was a hawk. You know, then he sees one weak one over there, come, what? Until the man shared with him the word of God. He listened and wept. He said, I never knew God was love. I heard the preacher say that God took my mother. I asked, where did he take my mother to? They said, he took her to heaven. I said, I don't want to go to God. He's wicked. He's wicked. Praise the Lord. Now listen to what the Bible says. So you would know if it was God who took your mother. I'm reading from verse 26. Read, read together. One to go. Again. Uh oh. I thought, I thought death was God's friend. No, no, no. It, 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 must be, it must be God's friend. Somebody must have written something wrong. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Enemy? You mean death is an enemy? That means God hates death as much as we do. That means God doesn't want death around us as much as we don't want it around us. You mean death and God are not twins? Yes, they're not. Death is not from God. He said, maybe, but, but, but he uses it, doesn't he? Hebrews. Turn to the book of Hebrews. Let's see if God is the one that uses death. Somebody says, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, he, he, he permits it. He moves along with it. Whenever death wants to strike, he takes permission from God. It doesn't. Are you there? Hebrews chapter 2, read verse 14. One to go. Now hold on, some are trying to find it. Hebrews chapter 2. These are those kind of scriptures I like everybody to see. You hearing me? Of course I want you to see every scripture. But I like to wait here. All right, ready now? Verse 14, one to go. was that so he might destroy the one that had the power, the authority of death. And who was that? The devil. So who was working with death? The devil. At the end of time, what's going to happen to death? Let's see. Turn to the book of Revelation. Chapter 20. Are you ready? This is the book of Revelation. This is the future of death. Verse 14. One, two, go. Verse 15. Did you see that? Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. You know, a lot of people hear about hell, but they think, that, they think that's the last point of call for the, for the wicked, for the sinner. Hell is not the last place of call. Hell is a waiting place. It's not the final place. Hell is a waiting place. As bad as it is, as terrible as hell is, 
There are some people in hell now, but nobody in the lake of fire. Because the lake of fire is a place that they would go after the final judgment. Now he tells us, death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. Why, Pastors? Because John is giving us the revelation that he saw, which God sent the angel to show him. So this is what is going to happen. This is the future. So death will be cast into the lake of fire. Hell will be cast into the lake of fire. And anybody whose name was not found written in the book of life will also be cast into the lake of fire. This is why we're preaching everywhere. This is why we can't stop. No matter what anybody says, no matter what they do, we've got to tell everybody so we can save them from the lake of fire. That's why we can't stop. That's why we can't stop. We've got to warn everybody. We've got to go around the world and tell everybody. There's a terrible place. There's a life from Christ to gain. And a lake of fire to shine. You still there? So that's the future of death. It will be cast into the lake of fire. So death is not God's friend. Now let's go back to what led us into all this. Philippians chapter 1. Can we go back there? Let's see what the man Paul is saying here. Oh, glory to God. So come and Bosata. Hmm. Verse 21, Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. For me to live, it says, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, in this body, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I what not. He says, I'm not sure what to choose. Look at it, verse 23. For I am in a strait betwixt two. Do you understand this language? He says, I'm in between two decisions. I'm trying to think what I should do. He says, for I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Oh. When a Christian dies, brother, don't sorrow. Don't sorrow. Don't be depressed. Don't be cast down. To be with Christ, he says, is not just better. He says, it is far better. Verse 24, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Did you notice? He didn't say to abide in the flesh is more needful for me. He said it's more needful for you. Look, 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 look. look here, look here, look here. Listen to this man. Listen to this great man of God and what he says. He says, I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. He says, but it is more needful for you, for me to be here. He didn't say it is more needful for me, for you. Uh-oh. Listen. Nevertheless, verse 24, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence... I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and your joy of faith. That your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Did you see why he was going to live longer? Because of them, not for himself. When he was through, you read the rest of it yourself, when he was through, he said, I have finished my course. He said, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Hallelujah. I have kept the faith. Hey, hey, hey. In fact, before there, he said, there are no other places for me to preach in these parts. He had so fully preached the gospel. He said, there are no new places for me to preach. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. No, there are some people who don't like to fight a good fight. They just want Christianity cool and calm. 
you go to church only you just nice Christian calm life you know some people don't like to be persecuted criticized they don't like it of course if you don't do anything for Christ nobody will persecute you nobody will condemn you nobody will criticize you everybody will say it's your Christianity I like <laughs> very sweet calm everybody likes you kind of Christian no if you start casting out devils there will be trouble pastors or ministers and Christians that don't cast out devils don't have criticism you get it if you don't want trouble from the devil stop casting out devil don't cast out devils don't heal the sick because you're going into Satan's territory and if you do he will stay up everybody he can stay up against you they're gonna pick something about you they'll look for something they don't like about you but if you know who you are you don't care make the devil mad you know when things get very quiet I get disturbed you know honestly if I find that nobody's saying anything I get disturbed then I say that means Satan is walking somewhere and, and he's I get disturbed But when you hear, you know, people are talking, somebody's writing nonsense, they don't, I never feel bad. I never say, oh, me again. <laughs> no! Come on, somebody! Go ahead again! Hallelujah! Oh, ho, 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 glory to God. Live a great life. You know, so much more to share, but you know, we're out of time. I want you to talk to the Lord right now. Pray. Worship Him and thank Him.